Here is what I know about every person who is a Christ follower today. It is highly likely that you are a follower of Christ, you are a Christian, because someone has told you about Jesus. Now, is it possible that you could become a Christian and no person was involved in the process, that no one ever mentioned the name to Jesus to you at any point in your life and somehow you still became a Christian? It's possible, but unlikely. What is far more probable is that someone, or likely many someones, uh, told you about Jesus along the way. Many of us would say that it took more than one person telling us about Jesus before we made that decision for Christ. So we can, relate, we can relate to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul says, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered, but it was God who made it grow. It could have been a praying parent or grandparent or Sunday school teacher who planted that seed of faith in your heart. We love our Sunday school teachers. Then a Jesus-loving friend came along and brought maybe a more adult-level understanding to the truth behind what's in the Bible. Then we would say that that friend watered that spiritual seed. Maybe it was a pastor in a worship service, just like this one, or a private conversation, and uh, you made your decision to put your trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, to be made right with God, we would say. And you can see, looking back, in that whole sequence of events, how God was at work all along the way, using different people in your journey to lead you to a decision for Christ. It may be that somebody invited you, and they kept on inviting you, and they kept on inviting you to the point of being annoying. And you said, all right, fine, I'll go to church with you one time if you'll leave me alone. And you went one time, and it's as if the pastor prepared a message just for you that day. We know that it's the Holy Spirit, but God spoke to your heart, and God transformed you. And that friend that you uh, were so annoyed with that you, you accepted the invitation just to get them off your back, now you're extremely thankful for them. At least one person is involved in every believer's decision for Christ. God uses people to share the life-changing, hope-giving Jesus message. A friend, a family member, a coworker, a Sunday school teacher, an author, a YouTuber. God used somebody. Here's what we also know. Looking back, those of us today who would say that we are a Christian, we're a Christ follower, we're thankful for that person or those people that we know that God used them and as a result of God using them, we know God's forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. We found greater purpose. We've seen relationships restored. Maybe it's your story that as a result of becoming a Christian, you became free of an addiction that held you captive. We are thankful that someone told us. So, knowing that number one, at least one person is involved in every believer's decision for Christ, and number two, Christians are thankful for people on the journey who invited, who preached, who prayed, who wrote that book, who shared that Bible, all leading to your decision for Christ. Knowing all that, I have a question, and this is a question just for the Christians. 
just for those of us who would say that we're Christians today. In fact, if you're not a Christian, someone has invited you, you can actually just tune me out for the next 30 seconds because I want to ask a question just to the Christians. If at least one person was involved in your decision for Christ and you're thankful for the one or many who planted and watered those seeds of faith, then here is the question just for those of us who'd say that we're Christians today. How are you willing to make Christ known to those who don't know? How are we, how are we willing to make Christ known to those who don't know? What will each of us start doing? What will each of us keep doing to make Christ known to those who don't yet know? This is where we pick up our series, Know Christ and Make Him Known. We started last Sunday and we wrap up this Sunday. I guess it's a mini-series, short on time, big on importance. Last Sunday we talked about how one of the very last things that Jesus did before his arrest and crucifixion is that uh, it was in the upper room, the scene is the Last Supper, after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, after Judas left, after Jesus broke the bread, poured the wine and said, do this in remembrance of me, after Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, after Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, after all those things happened... John, who was more than an eyewitness, he was a participant. John, who was in the room, he records that Jesus looked up to heaven and says, Father, the hour has come. And in that moment, at the end of the Last Supper, Jesus prayed. He prayed out loud so that all the disciples could hear. In the final hours before his arrest, Jesus prayed for his disciples. And what's so amazing, Jesus prayed for us. John chapter 17, verse 20, the words of Jesus, I am praying not only for these disciples, the guys in the room, but for all but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. All who will ever believe in me. That's us. That's us. You can read the entire prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. As we said last week, it is from this prayer that we get our people's church mission statement to know Christ and make him known to know Christ and make him known. Last week we said that to know Christ is about taking personal ownership of increasing our knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not one and done knowledge. This is ongoing growth of knowledge in Christ throughout our lifetime. And it's not just <laughs> about accumulating knowledge so that we can be smarter. It's not just about increasing our knowledge of Christ so that we all can be theologians. No, increasing our knowledge of Christ as we know more about him, God's heart is that we would become more like Christ. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to watch, rewatch, or listen to the podcast. So this week, we pick up the conversation with the second half of our mission statement and make him known, to make Christ known. 
And what we're going to see is that knowing Christ and making Christ known, making him known, occur simultaneously. Okay, knowing Christ is a lifelong journey. This side of eternity, there's always space for us to know more about Christ, to become more like him. There's always more to know about Christ. So because that's true, we can't wait until we fully know Christ to start engaging in the effort to making him known to others. If you're waiting until you fully know Christ to start making him known to others, you're never going to be ready. Parents, we do not wait until we know everything about parenting to have children. We learn as we go. We parent and learn about parenting along the way. Perhaps it's bothered you that the word that's used is practice when it comes to what your doctor or your dentist does. It bothers us that our doctor or dentist are practicing. But what they're doing is that they're learning as they, they go along. They're understanding their craft as, as they practice their craft. While we are continuing to develop our own relationship with Christ, we are also making him known to others. Look at the prayer of Jesus. Jesus prays to the Father, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus prays for his disciples then and for us now. God, make them holy by your truth. Father, make believers more like your son. As they seek out and discover the truth through being in the word, being in the Bible, teach them the truth. Very next verse, verse 18, perhaps the most important verse we're going to look at in the context of today's message. Jesus says to, to his Father in heaven, just as you sent me into the world... I am sending them into the world. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them, that's us, into the world. God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, into the world. Jesus says, now I'm sending them into the world. I'm sending these current disciples, those who are in the upper room for the Last Supper, I'm sending them into the world and all those who will follow after them. So what is the purpose? What was the purpose of sending the disciples into the world? What's the purpose of sending us into the world? Well, Jesus, he once explained his mission statement, his reason for coming to a formerly corrupt tax collector named Zacchaeus. Here's how Jesus described his mission. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus was sent to this world to find the spiritually lost, those whose relationship with God is broken, and to save, to restore that broken relationship to a loving heavenly father. And just as Jesus was sent, the first follower disciples were sent, and now we are sent. Jesus wants his followers to pursue those whose relationship with their heavenly father is broken. Who has broken relationship with their heavenly father? I'm so glad you asked. You've heard this said before, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus sends the disciples. Just weeks after the death and resurrection, 
the church is launched on the day of Pentecost after the, or with the first public sermon preached by Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Peter was in the room when Jesus prayed the prayer, Father, I'm sending them. Peter was there. And then just a few weeks later, Peter is used on the day of Pentecost to preach the first message of the church, to launch the church. Peter gives the message on the day of Pentecost. The book of Acts records that thousands became Christ followers that day. Then weeks later, those thousands and thousands more were scattered from Jerusalem after Stephen was killed for being a Christian. We know him as the first martyr. They thought that if they killed one of these Christ followers that they would bring to an end this movement called Christianity. They would all flee and the whole movement would die. But the opposite happened. As the people scattered, they had been trained by the disciples for several weeks. They knew the truth. They knew about Jesus Christ. And so when they scattered, going back to where they came from after being in Jerusalem, what they brought with them is their hope in Jesus Christ. And the church began to spread as all those first followers were scattered. The reality is that those of us in this room who we would say that we are followers of Christ we could trace like a spiritual Christian family tree all the way back to those first followers. Peter gave the message on Pentecost. Someone heard, someone told, they were scattered, they went here, they went there. They told, they told, they told, all the way to us. It's like passing a ball. You heard the message, you received the message, now you're gonna share it with somebody else. They're gonna share it with somebody else. They're gonna share it with somebody else all the way to us. And so the question that we wrestle with today as followers of Christ, are we going to hold on to it? Is the chain gonna end with us? Is the line gonna end with us? Or are we gonna be faithful to tell the next generation? Jesus in prayer says, just as his father sent him into the world, Jesus sends his followers into the world. In this case, the Bible uses the term world to describe the corrupt value system that is at odds with God. The Bible uses the word world to describe the evil system controlled by the enemy, Satan, that leads us away from God. The word world is a one-word capture of the human self-centered system that is at odds with God. Now, don't miss this. If you were to read that prayer that Jesus prayed as recorded for us in John 17 and count the number of times that Jesus uses the word world, you would find that he uses the word world more than 10 times. As Jesus is praying about what would happen after his death and resurrection, at the center of his heart is how his disciples, how his followers would live in relation to the world. The world meaning the corrupt the system that is at odds with God and draws people away from God. A focus of Jesus' prayer recorded in John 17 is on the relationship between his followers and the morally corrupt system that is at odds with God, the world. Let me put the phrases where Jesus uses this word world 
into a sequence that will help us understand how he wants us to engage with people whose relationship with God is broken. Watch this now. So Jesus prays, the world doesn't know you. The corrupt, self-centered, God-opposing value system does not know God the Father. That's where, that's where the sequence starts. However, the disciples do not belong to this world any more than I do, Jesus prays. The disciples and the believers after them, they, we, no longer belong to that corrupt, self-centered, God-opposing value system. We don't belong in that system anymore. <laughs> By the way, another quote from Jesus' prayer, the world hates them. The system that is at odds with God, as a result of being at odds with God, hates those who are for God, those who worship God. So some might say, maybe this maybe what you're thinking today, if we're not wanted here, if we're even hated here, God, take us out of here. But that's not Jesus' prayer. Jesus prays to the Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but keep them safe from the evil one. God, do not take Jesus' followers out of the morally corrupt, self-centered, God-opposing humanity. Keep them here and keep them safe. And then Jesus goes a step further. God, don't just keep them here. Actually, Jesus prays, I'm sending them into the world. Staying in a society or culture that is at some level morally corrupt, God-opposing, self-centered, certainly not Christ-centered, the tendency might be, well, I should go into isolation. I should find lockdown in a Jesus bunker until it's time to go to heaven. Here's the exclamation point to this whole sequence. Here's the why. Why would Jesus want his followers injected back into a world system that opposes God? Jesus prays this. May they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. May believers be in close relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so that those tied up in the world will believe that Jesus was sent by God the Father to save them. Jesus' prayer is that believers will be united together, united in purpose, united in love, united in action, united with each other, and united with God. So the sequence, once again, the world doesn't know. Christ's followers are not part of this world because they know. Father, keep them in the world and keep them safe. Why? So that more may believe. Stay so others may know. Jesus' prayer is that believers being united with God and united with each other will be so compelling, so unworldly, so spiritually attractive that a morally corrupt, God-opposing, self-centered, certainly not Christ-centered culture will see and believe that Jesus is the answer. 
Those who are crying out, God, there must be a better way. Those who are saying, I've tried everything else and I've seen how it turns out. Those who are saying, there must be more than this. They would see the followers of Christ and say, that's not an answer, that's the answer. I want some of that. I want to be part of that. This is what's also exciting. So Jesus prayed this prayer for his disciples then and for us now, 2,000 years ago, that we would be involved in the mission to know Christ and make him known. We, each of us individually, and we as a church family, we have the opportunity to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Wow, that's sweet. To know Christ and make him known. In Jesus' prayer, to know Christ is inseparable from making him known. If you're connecting the dots with me, Jesus wanted his disciples on earth then. He wants us in Oregon now so that as we grow in our relationship with Christ, we will bring others into relationship with Christ as well. When we have a conversation like this, about this topic, and a church word we would use is evangelism, we might feel like, does that mean that I should just suspend all other responsibilities and use all my waking hours knocking on doors, standing on street corners, telling people about Jesus? Well, the world could use some more of that. Let's make it clear, to make Christ known is sharing the salvation message of Jesus, but it's more than that. To make Christ known is to help those who are already Christ followers to grow in their faith. Those of us who are Christ followers would say that after we made the decision to follow Christ, we're thankful for those who've come alongside of us and who are continuing to come alongside of us so that we can know Jesus in greater measure, so that we can know what he's all about. One person clapped. Thank you. Thank you for the courtesy clap. That was very kind. <laughs> to make Christ known is to be compassionate to people who are going through messy, difficult situations. To make Christ known is to publicly give God the credit when good things happen. To make Christ known is to bring peace when others are panicking. To make Christ known is to bring restoration when there is division. To make Christ known is to show mercy, forgiveness, and grace to people who deserve consequences. To make Christ known is to live generously, to feed the hungry, to give a drink to the thirsty, to invite the stranger in. To make Christ known is to clothe those without clothes. To make Christ known is to visit the sick, visit prisoners, and to help others to help people who others refuse to help, to make Christ known. To make Christ known is to be part of global missions, to pray, to give, and to go. Do you know that to be part of global missions is to express love to people in other countries and other cultures who most of us are unlikely to meet this side of eternity? To be part of global missions is to say that I'm willing to give up some pleasures and treasures where I live so that someone else, somewhere else, can know about the hope that I have in Christ. Maybe even being willing to go yourself. Wow. So we started today 
saying that for every one of us who is a follower of Christ, at least one person, and probably more, have been involved in the decision that led to us becoming a Christian, and people have been involved in helping us to understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. And then we asked the question, and this is a question for me just as it is for you, how are you willing to make Christ known to those who don't know? Tom, how are you willing to make Christ known to those who don't know? How are we as a people's church family willing to make Christ known to those who do not yet know? Now for you, the answer, it may be to keep doing what you're doing. You might be here and you're saying, I'm intentional about looking for opportunities to make Christ known to those who don't already know. You might say, I'm ready when a friend, a family member, a classmate, a coworker, or a stranger steers the conversation to a place where I see an opportunity to share the hope that I have in Christ. Maybe you've even gone through some training that's helped you to be able to explain the message of Christ in a way that's simple and easy to understand. Others of us, if we were to be honest and admit, we would say that I'm not as intentional as I need to be. I'm not even as intentional as I want to be. We would say I know that my life has been transformed, but for whatever reason, I've been reluctant to have those conversations with others. Perhaps you're like me and you can point to moments in your past when you have been having a conversation with somebody and the Holy Spirit has prompted you to say something. You know you're supposed to say something, but for whatever reason, maybe it's fear. We did not speak out in that moment. So for you today, our prayer is confidence and boldness that when the door opens, that the conversation, that you would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to say what the Spirit is telling you to say in those moments. We can do better. Maybe there's an action step that God is leading you in the direction of today where you want to know what to say in those moments. Those moments when the Holy Spirit has prompted you and you aren't quite sure exactly how to explain what it means to be a Christ follower. So maybe for you it's taking some intentional steps, maybe even practicing on someone in your household practicing how to have those spiritual conversations what would you say if someone said I know you are a Christian can you explain back to me what it means to be a Christian we ought to be able to answer that question in a way that's easy to understand there may be others here today and uh, you're discouraged you've shared Christ and it didn't go well. Maybe you would even say that you've shared Christ with someone you care about and you love. And as a result of you sharing Christ, it caused separation in that relationship that's important to you. And so because of that past experience, you've held back from sharing the love of Christ again because you'd say, I don't, I don't want to go through that again. And you know, you know what the... Holy Spirit is telling you today, you know what God is leading you to do, get back in the game. Don't let that past experience hold you back from sharing the love of Christ with someone else. 
I wonder if all of us would be willing to take an action step. And it's to pray a simple prayer. And the action step, the simple prayer is to say, God, would you be willing to guide someone across my path this week who needs to know Jesus Christ? And God, in that moment, I'm going to know it. You're going to know it. When we come across that someone, Father, even though I've maybe been afraid in the past, empower me this time through the Holy Spirit to say something. There's that phrase that we've heard in the airports for 20 years now, see something, say something. What if we asked our Heavenly Father to give us spiritual eyes? There may be someone who's in your life and it looks like they have it all together. It looks like everything's going well, but God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, gives you a discernment to say, even though things look good on the surface, there's a brokenness on the inside. And in those moments, we can ask our Heavenly Father, God, help me. And we can say, man, everything looks great in your life, but can I just ask you a question, maybe a silly question? How are things going for you spiritually? How's your relationship with God? You might be amazed at what might transpire if you just open the door. And then you may be in a, a conversation where surprisingly someone begins to kind of spill what's going on in their life. And you're wondering, why would you choose me to share this with? And we can be tempted to just kind of shut the conversation down and move on from the uncomfortable, uncomfortableness as quickly as possible. Or we have the choice to say, may I pray for you? To tell that person, you know what? I believe in a God who heals. I believe in a God who restores. I believe in a God who brings mending to broken relationships. I believe in a God who when everyone else says it's too far gone and can't be restored, I believe in a God who works in those situations. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ today. We as a, as a church body are saying individually, Father, would you open the doors for us to have faith conversations this week? How incredible it is to think, Father, what might happen if each and every one of us took ownership of this mission to know Christ and make him known. And we know that there are people who have faithfully shared the love of Christ looking for opportunities. And so for them, we know that you're giving encouragement, God. Keep on doing what you're doing. For others of us, Father, we would say we don't want to miss it again. We know we missed it, that opportunity. We know we should have said something when we, when we saw it and we didn't speak up. Father, when it happens this week, help us to be people who say something, who speak life, speak the truth of Jesus Christ. For the one who's discouraged because it didn't go well, because there's been some hurt in the past as a result of sharing Christ, empower them by your Holy Spirit to speak truth, to share the love of Christ, knowing that there are people out there who are just waiting, waiting for someone to say there's hope, there's a way forward, and his name is Jesus Christ.